Looking for the coolest 3D printed toys and collectibles on the interwebs? Look no further than Printer Dudes. Check them out at printerdudes.etsy.com and use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, to save 10% off. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S. Hey everybody, welcome into this Monday edition of the 8th inning stretch. Um, well, Monday for you guys, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You might be listening to this in the distant future on a space station. Here's hoping. Um, I'm AJ, joined as always by my illustrious co-host Carson. Uh, Carson, not quite as crazy an episode as last time, obviously with the trade deadline over, but a lot of a lot of stuff still to talk about. A lot going on. Yeah, there's going to be some plenty of heavy heavy hitting topics, not unlike uh, the heavy punches that Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson threw, uh, that we'll get into a little bit later. But um, as always, we've got we've got some great stuff lined up for you guys, and excited to dive in. Jose Ramirez doing his best Rocky impression. Yeah, um, yeah, we will definitely talk about that more in a minute, uh, and a little bit of housekeeping too. But Carson, I think we would be remiss if we didn't start. Um, and actually, we were just talking about this. Uh, Cole Hamels um, has called it a career. Yeah, uh, one that was, you know, we, um, as we AJ said, we were kind of talking about off air. It was kind of a thing of we we kind of both had that moment of, huh, that's a name I have not heard in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Cole Hamels hadn't pitched in uh, the majors since 2020 with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, only started one game for the Braves, but um, obviously in his well-remembered as a great Philadelphia Phillies pitcher, uh, finished, you know, was always in the was in the conversation for Cy Young quite a few times during his run there. Uh, was an all-star, too, in, in one of his seasons as a Texas Ranger. Also had played a couple of seasons with the Chicago Cubs. Um, of course, with the Philadelphia Phillies, was a part of the 2008 uh, World Series team also was a the World Series MVP and an NLCS MVP. So uh, certainly a lot for Cole Hamels to hang his hat on as he hangs up his cleats. Yeah, quite the career. Uh, Fifteen seasons, uh, of course, best known as a Philly. Um, but like Carson said, also played uh, for the Rangers, the Cubs, and very briefly for the Braves. And of course, signed a minor league deal with the Padres this past winter. Um, but never quite, never quite reached the majors, um, had some, some injury issues. Basically from what I understand, it got to the point where he just couldn't throw without, you know, feeling pain. So finally decided to, to hang it up. Um, yeah, I mean, what else can you say about that 2008 Phillies team? Uh, Cole Hamels, Ryan Howard, Shane Victorino, like, um, yeah, Hamels went and I didn't. This is news to me, Carson, but Hamels went, well, you mentioned World Series MVP that year. Uh, he went 4-0 and with a 1.80 ERA in five starts that postseason. Which is absolutely insane That's to think nuts. about, especially considering um, considering the fact that he was still pretty young when that happened. He was, what, 20, he was. 24 yeah. in to- that 2008 run. Um, yeah, which- that's right which boy does that make me feel unaccomplished as a 24 year old but <laughs> what you mean you haven't pitched in a world series yet um 
No, seriously. I mean, uh, first round pick in 2002, uh, finished his career uh, with a 3.43 ERA and over 2,500 strikeouts, a finalist for the Cy Young four times, uh, 2007, 2011, 2012, and 2014. Carson, how the hell this dude never won a Cy Young Award? Uh, Cy Young Award is beyond me. Yeah, 100% is beyond me. And, uh, you know, it's definitely shocking considering he was a very solid pitcher as a member of that Phillies rotation. And those Phillies rotations were nasty uh, yeah, back sure in were. the day as well. So uh, yeah. very surprising that he never ended up winning it. But I think he'll I think he'll be okay with his World Series MVP, yeah. his NLCS MVP, and of course a and World it. Series win. I was going to say, he's got a ring, so. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe the most incredible thing about Cole Hamels, uh, he was a homegrown Phillies prospect. Um, he was a he was a first-round pick, um, you know, always had a reputation for being a hard worker. Um, and also, another fun fact I learned uh, in reading about this, um, Cole Hamels actually broke his arm in high school. So if you think about that for a second, this dude broke his arm in high school, which for all intents and purposes probably should have ended any hope of him ever pitching uh, and wound up, you know, like we said, four-time Cy Young finalist, World Series MVP, World Series champion. And uh, I would say... Um, Maybe not a stone-cold lock for Cooperstown, Carson, but I think he has to be in the conversation for the Hall of Fame. I, I think in the conversation, I don't know if I would be... I don't know if I would be able to put him in the no, conversation I yet, but... No, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that he, d- he gets in, but uh, he damn well... Uh, he damn well better get some votes. Yeah, I would say he should at least get some some sort of votes. And another thing, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Phillies retire his number. Yeah, that would also be something I wouldn't be surprised to see. They should. I mean, one of the best one of the best pitchers they've ever had and one of the best to ever wear a Phillies uniform. Um and of course, you know, spent most of his career there, so. Um anyway, so yeah, that kind of flew under the radar somehow uh happened two days ago apparently and i just saw it today on with our friends over there at the athletic um speaking carson however of votes uh seamless segue our eighth inning stretch ballad of awesomeness is now live for you guys to pick your uh all 2000s all decade team um there's a link right there on our twitter at eighth inning pod where you guys can find that um, and Carson, I was actually just telling you this before we came on, but the ballot already blowing up. Yeah, you guys have you guys have done your thing with this ballot, and obviously this has been something we've been hyped about ourselves for quite a while now. So uh, keep getting those keep getting those votes in uh, because this is going to be so much fun. Yeah, you guys have absolutely been blowing it up. We've gotten so many responses already. Um, if you haven't done it yet. Um, Again, the link is right there on our Twitter. You can't miss it. It's pinned right to the top um, at Eighth Inning Pod, and it's basically it's it's basically I, the 
the way we designed it is basically identical to the all-star ballot uh, for MLB. All the positions are there. You just go through and you, um, you know, go through right down the line, first base, second base, third base, all the way, um, and pick one player per category per, per position. Um, yes, you can only vote once. Sorry, but uh, we don't want any ballot box stuffing. Um, but yeah, that's there. So that's in store for a hundredth episode. Um, we teased you guys a little bit at the end of the last episode, um, that for our hundredth episode, we are, well, we've got some things, we got some, we got some fun stuff cooking for you guys. Let's just put it that way. We're going to have some, uh, some very special guests on. Um, so stay tuned and Carson, believe it or not. We're only, this is episode 82, so we're seven, 18, 17, 18 episodes away, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not. No, it's really not at all, and uh, it's going to be, man, no man, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a blast, um, yep. and you guys better be, be prepared because it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. It is going to be an absolute blast. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, and we hope you guys have a lot of fun, of course. Okay, housekeeping out of the way. Let's talk about this Guardians-White Sox thing, because honestly, I've watched... I wasn't I, I wasn't actually watching this game, but I've watched, the, I've watched the replay of what happened between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson over and over and over, trying to figure out... I don't know, man, maybe you saw it better than I did, Jose Ramirez slid into second base, uh, head first. So, you know, he didn't pull a Manny Machado and slide in spikes up. Um, he gets up and next thing you know, they're just going at it like Rocky and Apollo. Yeah, from, I mean, from the video, you know, because I've been trying to look at the video myself and figure out um, what, what exactly happened here. Um, but from, from what I saw and what it seems like is that he comes in to second, you know, Anderson, you know, Anderson puts the tag on him, leaves the, leaves the tag, I guess, on him for too long or something. And Ramirez had a problem with it. And now, and then all of a sudden they were throwing better punches than Nate Diaz and Jake Paul did. Yeah. All hell broke loose. Um, quite a i mean we see brawls although we don't see these kind of bench clearing brawls as much as we used to which uh is part of the game that i really miss um but anyways we don't see this as nearly as much as we used to even a few years ago but this was unique because it looked like to me i mean normally when there's a baseball brawl the guys just kind of you know well they brawl it's like a rugby scrum uh Ramirez and Anderson squared off like hockey players, which was awesome. Oh, it was great. They were fully trying to throw some punches and um, watching it in slow-mo. Jose Ramirez has a lethal right hook. That man could he go does. Into, into boxing. He hit Tim Anderson yep. square in the face with a nice right hook. Yep. Knocked Anderson right off his feet, too. Um, yeah, it was – what a brawl. Um and then, of course, you know, once they had their moment, the bench is cleared and, you know, uh, and all that craziness. I mean, not a surprise. Cleveland, Chicago, you know, those teams, uh, those teams and their fans of the cities 
they don't exactly get along, do they? Uh, no. And, you know, the, the more I kind of have watched the video, the more I'm watching the video trying to figure out exactly where it went wrong. Um, I think, I think Ramirez objected more to the tag itself. It mm. seemed like it was kind of a hard tag where at first he kind of like Anderson put the glove down and kind of like smacked him on the back of the head. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ramirez clearly took an issue with that. And then uh, the fists, the fists and haymakers were flying. Well, I was looking at it and I'm like, why did it? I mean, I mean, I guess Anderson, that's his, his job is to tag the runner, but that play wasn't even close. Uh, Ramirez beat the throw by a, a country mile. So in this case, I mean, I get it. Anderson, you know, it's his job to tag the runner. Fine, whatever. But I'm, I mean, in this case, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Jose Ramirez. That was a, uh, an unnecessarily, you know, kind of a firm, maybe a little bit latish tag to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was certainly a little bit late, a little bit hard. Uh, Ramirez certainly had every right to be like, um, bro, yeah. what the heck are you doing here? Yep. Um, but certainly, certainly something that, uh, let's put it this way. The, the, the game was broadcast on Peacock, I think for a reason. Yeah. Um, and apparently I didn't catch this. I haven't actually watched it yet. Apparently the, I think it was the guardians, uh, TV announcer apparently did one hell of a job calling this thing like a prize fight, which sounds awesome. Yeah, I don't know if it was a radio or a TV guy. Radio, or t- the, yeah. Yeah, I guess there was like a down goes Anderson. I was like, what? Yeah, it was pretty wild, apparently. Um, yeah, Jose Ramirez, talk about a right hook, damn. Uh, so with the, you know, brawls becoming rare and rare, this inevitably leads us to the question, Carson, where does this rank among all-time brawls that we've seen? In in terms of the brawl itself, I'd say it's pretty high up there because there was some actual legit connection behind these punches. And yep. it wasn't just like, oh, I don't like you. I'm going to shove you now. <laughs> like, a lot of, like a lot of MLB brawls in general are. Um, yeah. So for, for me, this ranks pretty highly up because these were legitimate brawls punches and they were like squaring up to each other like they were in a boxing ring which my favorite meme of this has now been somebody photoshopping it into the octagon and having (laughs) and having the fight go down there oh man i haven't seen that yet that sounds awesome um yeah i mean i think it's i think it's got to be up there um i don't know that i would put it on my mount rushmore of baseball brawls um i mean i think uh, actually, it was kind of funny that this brawl happened on the 30th anniversary, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of Nolan Ryan's famous brawl with the White Sox. Again, the White Sox. Um, that's got to be up there. Um, okay, I'll just say it. I know this is going to sound biased as all hell, but I don't care. The best baseball ball, the best. Ba- wow, that's a say that five times fast. The best baseball brawl that i've ever seen and one that i was thank my lucky stars i was lucky enough to be there to witness it 
uh, was 2004 was was Jason Veritek and and A Rod uh, after Bronson Arroyo absolutely plunked A Rod, um, and uh, A Rod got his uh, he got his lunch handed to him by the Red Sox captain. Yeah, that one was uh, whoo. That that's got to be the greatest brawl of all time. I think. Yep, has to be. Um, I mean. Red Sox, Yankees, the intensity, uh, the the Yankees were kicking the crap out of the Red Sox to that point of the game, and then all of a sudden, uh, Arroyo goes out there, just drills A Rod between the numbers. A Rod gets pissed. Veritek kicks the crap out of him. The bench is clear. The Red Sox came back and won that game. Uh, and then, of course, we all know how the 2004 season ended for the Red Sox. And I'm not saying that it was all because of that brawl. But Carson, I will tell you, I am as a baseball fan, I believe in superstitions, and that that was a turning point for the 2004 Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, any any good good way to get the adrenaline pumping is certainly gonna gonna help things out. But um, I mean, I don't know. I, I just it always seemed to me like that was kind of the moment where the Red Sox were basically looked at the Yankees and they were like, fuck these guys. We're not afraid of them anymore. Sorry, Spotify. Um, But anyways, that's, you know, you all, we all know that story. Fun fact though. And Carson, I don't know if you know this, but that game, that game that was played that day was originally, uh, almost got postponed because of rain. And the Red Sox players basically went into ownership and were like, no, Screw this. We want to play. Uh, we want to play today. We don't want to get it postponed. Yeah, I agree with that. So call it fate, you know, whatever. Anyways. Um, yeah, so that Guardians White Sox craziness. And like I said, boy, do I miss I miss that stuff. Um, Justin Verlander. So, of course, Verlander now back with the Astros. And um so he made his first start back with the Astros, uh, back in an Astros uniform against the Yankees. Seven innings, two in runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Ultimately, ultimately handled the loss, Carson. Um, and I have to tell you, in watching this, and I, I hate to be, you know, I try to, I try to be positive. I try not to be a naysayer, but watching this, this looked like the same old song and dance. Justin Verlander out there throwing his ass off and not getting any run support from his teammates again. Yep. Uh, like you said, the, the stat line is impressive, but the only stat that Justin Verlander and Astros fans probably care about is the fact that he ended up taking the loss in this one. Yeah. Um, just, it was, you know, to quote the great Yogi Berra, it was deja vu all over again. How many times have we, not not just with the Astros. I'm not. Well, I am picking on the Astros, but not just with the Astros. It it happened. It it, it used to happen with it when when he was with the Tigers too. He goes out there, throw you know, pitches the you know, pitches his heart out up there dealing and gets no support uh, from his offense. Yeah, it's 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 rough, but. Poor, poor Justin Verlander. He's like, I thought I left this back in New York. What, what is, what's going on here? 
Yeah, I wonder if he's questioning his, uh, if he's questioning himself now. Be like, geez, you know, if I wanted to deal with this crap, I would have just stayed with the Mets. Um, yeah, it just, do you have to feel for a dude like Verlander? You know, he's always, you know, stand up guy. He's always seemed like a cool dude. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it's a tale as old as time that we see these great, you know, these ace pitchers. Um, you know, get stuck in these situations where they go out and, you know, throw lights out and, and don't get any, don't get any, that their team doesn't put up any runs for them. So, um, anyways, so, I mean, hopefully the Astros can figure that out because, uh, if they, I don't know, to me, anyways, if the Astros, so they, they made it very clear, we want for, you know, they wanted Justin Verlander back, they went out, they made it happen. Because, holy crap, do they need the help on the pitching staff? But, Carson, if they want Verlander, if they want, you know, re- reacquiring Justin Verlander to pan out the way they want it to pan out, which is to get back to the playoffs and, and whatever, um, they need to figure out how to swing the bats for the dude when he's out there on the mound. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, I mean, they've they've got the talent to do it, too, so it's all just about trying to kind of figure figure it out for them again yeah they sure do um all right let's take a break when we come back we will talk about the nl east of the braves and the mets uh two teams going in two very different directions and then um a little bit outside the box because some mlb execs uh weighed in on their thoughts uh of what down went, went down at the trade deadline Looking for the coolest 3D printed toys and collectibles on the interwebs? Look no further than Printer Dudes. Check them out at printerdudes.etsy.com and use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, to save 10% off. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S. Hey everybody, welcome back to the evening stretch into our middle segment and uh, talking about the NL East um, and two teams obviously going two very different directions. The Braves obviously have been, you know, uh, one of the best teams in baseball all year. They're now officially the first team to reach 70 wins in Major League Baseball. Um, I mean, they've just looked, they've looked damn near unstoppable, Carson. But uh, if we take a closer look at the Braves, I mean, they're good, obviously, but how good are they really? Uh, and... Is anyone in the National League going to be able to slow them down come October? I mean, right now, for me, the answer is no. Um, you know, this this Braves team seems to be firing on all cylinders. Ronald Acuna right now is running away with the National League MVP in my eyes. Um, I don't know that you could really name anybody that's close. Um, you know, some... Some of the bats have kind of gone a little bit by the wayside um, as of late. But at the same time, I mean, this is a team that's just got not only great guys in the starting lineup, they've they've got the depth to go a long way. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you talk about Sean Murphy bringing him in from, uh, from Oakland has made a huge difference behind the dish. Uh, and, you know, you've still got Travis Darno as his backup, who is a very solid backup backup catcher one of I think the best potentially in baseball 
the bullpen yep. the bullpen is still potentially you know from a name standpoint one of the strongest uh, in baseball Rachel Iglesias is the closer AJ Minter Kirby Yates Joe Jimenez I mean the starting rotation even without even without uh, Max Freed who has been on fire when he's been healthy Spencer Strider and Bryce Elder are having are having okay seasons. Charlie Morton's having a solid season at the age of 39. Um, so, and Jared Schuster, who is still young, but has some time to kind of figure, figure things out. He, he more than likely will be up to help this team in the playoffs. They got Brad hand at the trade deadline, which I think is a very underrated move. I just right now with the depth that they've got, I don't see anybody stopping them. Yeah. I mean, they they certainly passed the eye test. They've, um, I mean, I would put them right up there with Tampa as, uh, you know, one of the best teams all year. Um, I just, I and I'm sorry, Braves fans. I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but it is. I need to pick on somebody else other than the Yankees or the. Rockies or somebody I just a caution just just a cautionary a cautionary tale uh if you will for the Braves and the Braves fans Carson because 70 wins in August pretty damn impressive they're most likely going to win more than 100 games uh they'll be right there at the top of the National League playoff picture probably get the you know the top spot um and you know and get home field advantage in the playoffs yada 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 but at the same time, we've seen this <laughs> we've seen this movie before. We've seen teams go on absolute tears in the regular season. They win a hundred games. Uh you know, they look, man, nobody's gonna beat these guys. And then October comes, and not to be whatever be whatever, but October is a completely different animal. Yeah, I mean that's very true. I mean as we always like to say, anything can happen. So uh, I guess, you know. I guess all I'm, all I'm getting at is the Braves are clearly built for regular season success. And it just, it makes me wonder, are they also built for October success? I mean, most of this team has been there, done that before. Good point. Uh, you know, there's That's a, true. a solid amount of this core was on that Braves world series. The team 2021. And- yeah. And there's there's plenty of veteran guys who have been right. on World Series runs in general before. That's yeah. No, those are actually really good points. And I uh yeah, a lot of this Brave team was there in twenty twenty one. So um uh one second, guys. Sorry, I just wanted to pull something up real quick. Okay, so looking at the National League, uh, I just wanted to pull the standings up real quick here. Uh, National League playoff standings. Yeah, so right now, I mean, the Braves are, well, yeah, they're about seven-ish games clear of the Dodgers for the top spot in the NL. So right now, if the playoffs started today in the National League, uh, you'd have the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Brewers as your division winners, the Giants, Phillies, and Cubs. Hell yeah. Go Cubbies. Uh as your as your wild cards um so with the new format uh let's see here the 
the, yeah, so the Braves and the Dodgers would get the first round by. The Brewers would play the Cubs, and the Giants would play the Phillies in the wild card round. So I get anyways. My point in pulling this up is looking at these teams: Braves, Dodgers. Well, excluding the Braves, obviously. Dodgers, Brewers, Giants, Phillies, Cubs. Out of those teams, and here we go again. Back to our old standard, Carson. If you're the Braves, what is which one of these teams is the one you do not want to see on your side of the bracket the most? I think right now for um, I think right now for me it's got to be the Cubs. Uh, they have been yes. they've been they've been rolling, and uh, you know there's there's nothing more dangerous than a than a team that's that's on fire. Yeah, um, I. You, you took it, but yeah, I, I mean, I can't argue. I, I can't. I was going to say the Cubs, too, because, I mean, you said it. They've, the Cubs have been one of, if not the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, won seven out of their last ten. They're, they're threatening the, the – uh, they're definitely threatening the Brewers atop the NL Central. Um, boy, the uh, – oof. The Reds and the Marlins and the and my Diamondbacks. Wow, Eesh. Diamondbacks have lost six in a row. Eesh. No bueno. Um. Anyways, um. So there's the Braves. We mentioned the Mets, a team moving in the complete opposite direction. A team that had World Series dreams. Uh. The Mets fans went to sleep at night. You know, this past winter with visions of World Series parades dancing in their heads, but obviously things have not gone well. Um, not going according to plan. The Mets were sell, sell, sell at the trade deadline, and Carson Mets owner Steve Cohen, um, uh, basically penned a letter to Mets fans and season ticket holders, and basically said, "Hey, we're disappointed. You're disappointed. You have every right to be disappointed, but let me tell you, come 2024, um, and I gotta be honest, looking at all the talent that they traded away this trade deadline, and I know they got a lot of young talent back, but man, I just don't see it for the Mets next year. I don't see them getting back to where they should be until twenty twenty five, at least. Nope, a hundred percent agree. Um, I'm you, sorry, you, Mets fans. A hundred percent agreed. Steve Steve Cohen's talking out of the other side of his mouth because <laughs> the reports have already come out that he was telling telling Max Scherzer we're probably not going to be very much in free agency in 2024. So either he's trying to kiss up to the fans or he's just telling Max Scherzer that so he feels less bad about trading him. I don't know. But I mean, uh, I mean, I get it. I get that, you know, you want to – well, for one, I got to give Steve, Steve Cohen props for at least communicating with the fans because – we all know there are teams and ownerships and front offices who shall remain nameless that don't that wouldn't do this kind of thing. I mean, you would never, not in a million years, would you ever see the Yankees do something like this. Brian Cashman or Hal Steinbrenner, for that matter, would ever, or George, uh, may he rest in peace, would never do the same. Would never do anything like this. So I, 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 I gotta give props to Steve Cohen for at least communicating with the fans, but. Steve, Bubby, 2024. It's not happening, man. Yeah. I, I don't really know what Steve was thinking there, but it, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't happening, Bubba. 
I think he's just trying to, it honestly, it feels like he's just trying to save face, you know, kind of like, Hey, we traded, we traded Scherzer. We traded Verlander who, Oh, the, the, the ace pitcher that we just signed this past off season. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, it's, it just, it seems like a, you know, it seems like just trying to save face. So I don't know. Anyways. Oh, and by the way, props to any of you who caught the diehard reference that I just made. Um, high five to all of you. Um, yeah, so that's that's the that's the Mets and that's the Braves and um, I don't know what else to say to to you to all you Mets fans. Um, it's you guys. It's been a rough go, and you guys deserve so much better. So. Um, all right, so the trade deadline is obviously, you know, it's come and gone. Uh, a lot of craziness, maybe not as much craziest, uh, craziness as we thought with um, Shohei Itani not being, uh, not being dealt. Um, so basically, they, the Athletic, shout out to the Athletic, uh, basically did a, did a survey, did a survey of... Um, MLB execs and, you know, kind of got their, kind of got their feelings. Um, and one of the hot topics, surprise, surprise, was Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who we were just talking about. And um, basically they asked these guys how bad, <laughs> this is great, uh, how bad would this deadline have been, bad deadline have been if Verlander and Scherzer hadn't gotten dealt? Uh, and an American league exec, now keep in mind, these execs were, doing this on the condition of anonymity, obviously. Uh, American League exec Carson said, there weren't many good players, it just wasn't there, and the asking prices on mediocre to bad players were ridiculous. A National League exec, I think your headline on this deadline was, there wasn't much talent. Wow. Uh, I mean, I know these guys were speaking anonymously, but holy crap, they did not hold back. Are we sure the American League exec didn't reside in the Minnesota Twins organization? <laughs> um, no. But... Spoiler alert: the the anonymous American League exec that was high in bloom of the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, you know, obviously those were kind of the big names, and there were some there were some other recognizable names. I I don't know if I would label these guys as mediocre to bad. It's just that no. some of them some of them aren't household names. That's just you know not everybody is going to know who Tommy Pham is. You know these some of these right. guys just aren't aren't household names, and that is those are kind of the names that. Um, in a lot of sports, make or break different trade deadlines. Like the NHL trade deadline was insane because of the mm-hmm. amount of the amount of different star players that were getting moved. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the list. Are you guys ready for this? Because here's the list of multi-time All Stars who are not named Scherzer or Verlander that got that changed teams at this de- at this past deadline. Brad Hand, Lance Lynn, and Gene Segura. No disrespect to those guys, but yeah, definitely not household names. One, only one of those names, and the worst part is one of those names got released. Yeah, before, one of yeah. those names Gene got Segura. released yeah. before he could even basically hop yeah. on a plane to go to Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, which is really messed up. Um, 
Yeah. Wow. Um, so here's here's another. This is this is the part of this that really caught my attention. That really like piqued my interest. Uh, basically, they asked with twelve playoff teams now, uh, will there ever be enough sellers? And a one exec answered. We had multiple teams go from yeah, we'll talk about this player to we won't talk about this player to we'll talk about this player to we won't talk about this player because we're going for it, meaning making a push for the playoffs. And that was the case with so many teams over the last week. Think about the last week. It seemed like almost every team that was on the bubble got hot. I this is a this is a valid point with with the playoff field expanded because remember we went from well I don't know how many of you remember this, but uh, the only teams that got in, I remember when the American League and National League were split into two divisions and only the two division winners made the playoffs, played for the pennant and went to the, you know, and the pennant winners went to the World Series. Then, of course, they added the wild card, uh, Bud Selig. And now we're up to six. So this is, this is, this is the new reality, I think, Carson, for the trade deadline. Yeah, I think it's very, you know, a lot of these trade deadlines, I don't think we should expect to see a lot of, you know, a lot of big names get moved. And again, like like the Cubs, we thought for sure there would be a couple of names potentially in Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger that would be on the market. But then the Cubs got hot and then it's yep. like, well, I guess they're buying now. So that takes away them and maybe even Dansby Swanson off of the off of the radar. Yep. And the Padres, too. I mean, the Padres didn't exactly catch on fire before the deadline, but with the three wild card spots, um, which don't get me wrong, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the expanded wild card. I think it's long overdue. I think it should have happened years ago. But with the expanded what with the with those two extra wild card spots, we're just that's it. We're just gonna have we're gonna have teams, we're gonna have teams at the trade deadline or you know approaching the trade deadline who, like you said, with the Cubs, like Marcus Stroman and Cody Ballinger and maybe Dansby Swanson, who, you know, a couple of weeks or a month, whatever, before the trade deadline are going to be like, oh, well, you know, we're pretty much out of this thing. And they're preparing to do one thing at the trade deadline. And then they get hot. And it's like, oh, well, just kidding. Uh, we're still in this thing. I mean, the Cubs, the Padres, the Padres didn't exactly catch fire, but the Padres looked at their, you know, situation but I think Carson, the best example is the Angels. The Angels, all that, all that talk, all that hype, all that speculation. Oh, what's going to happen with Otani? And then they kind of got hot, and they looked at the standings, and they went, "Well, we're still in this thing, so we're going to keep Otani, and we're going to go crazy. We're going to go on a shopping spree." <laughs> yeah, I mean, could this deadline have certainly been elevated by? Shohei Otani being dealt at the trade deadline? Um, yes, obviously. Uh, but the Angels decided not to do that, and then I think at that point we kind of knew, like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be the greatest trade deadline in the world, but it still has potential. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think we talked about this either last time or the time before when we were talking about the trade deadline. Once the Angels came out and were basically like, hey, sorry, everybody, we're not trading Otani, not that the trade deadline, the trade deadline is always fun, but with Otani off the board, it kind of took the wind out of the sails a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. 
and you know it was it was kind of hard at that point because all of the kind of a lot of the big names had kind of already been dealt so it was just kind of mm. a thing of well i guess let's just see who gets traded then yeah um so an ale an american league exec uh this now this is going to be interesting this is going to be one of the hot button things i think to keep an eye on as we head towards the next labor negotiations because this is this is big uh, basically, this AL exec said, uh, because of the 12 playoff teams, um, well, I'll just read it. Uh, I think the whole setup of the deadline has become more unusual in that we have the extra wildcard teams now. So when the deadline arrives, we know less. That's what we were just saying. Um, so I think moving the deadline, this is this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Remember this. Bookmark this. Uh, I think moving the deadline back a week or possibly 10 days or whatever should be a consideration. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it makes sense to me. But as we head towards the next labor negotiations, and we don't want to go, you know, or we won't go too off onto a thing about, uh, the labor negotiations but that is going to be that i feel like that's going to be a hot button um because sitting here we can be like yeah it makes sense to me um but that affects everybody carson that affects the owners that affects the players uh and most importantly that affects the fans yeah it absolutely does um that means I'd have to wait another week for <laughs> my favorite time of year. But uh, oh man, could you seriously though? Could you imagine the trade deadline in like mid-August? Because remember, it used to be July. It was July thirty-first for, jeez, like as long as I can remember. Uh, and now August first. Okay, yeah, whatever. But imagine, imagine how wild, how just absolutely nuts things could get if the trade deadline was in mid-august that'd be pretty crazy because by then you will you would hopefully be able to know who's buying who's selling who's gonna stand pat uh, yep. a little bit easier than than you do in the beginning of august i th yeah i think it makes perfect sense because come mid i mean late july early august there's still i mean let's be honest we're still sort of you know thinning the herd in terms of contenders and pretenders uh you know teams that are going to be in the playoffs teams that are definitely going to be in teams that might get in that have a chance to get in and teams that you know they're still technically mathematically possible for them to get in but let's be honest they're not getting in and i think by mid-august i mean that picture becomes a hell of a lot clearer yeah, it'll certainly be, uh, you know, that would certainly make make things a lot more interesting in terms of, I think, potentially the names that could be dealt. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll we'll see about we'll see if if that comes up. And again, this is a little bit oh, speculation at this point because eh. the labor negotiations aren't going to be coming up for for quite a uh, bit yet. Twenty twenty six, if I'm if I remember right. Right, so we still got a little ways for... We got for a couple of years, yeah. Um, yeah, we got a little ways to go. So, anyways, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, if you 
I mean, geez, I feel like all we do on here is plug the athletic, but seriously, the athletic is freaking awesome. It only costs what two bucks a month. Like, um, seriously, this, this piece on this article on the execs weighing in the, on the trade deadline. Um, yeah, they're talking about Steve Cohen, basically an, ex- an exec of one contender. This is what they had to say about Steve Cohen. Oh, I think we learned a lot. I just don't know how transferable it is to anyone else. I don't think there are going to be a bunch of other Steve Cohen copycats. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> there there are no other owners, I don't think, like Steve Cohen. Ouch. Somebody get Steve some aloe for that burn. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, there's some other... They're basically talking... They're talking about the Angels... Uh, how we should all be Angels fans now. Well, yeah, kind of to a point, because uh, it's about freaking time that the Angels got back to the playoffs. So um, anyways, yeah, I mean, I could just go down this thing for, you know, forever. It's a really good piece. Um, I found it right on the MLB uh, page on The Athletics. So uh, you guys can check that out, um, I guess, at your leisure. I don't know, cars. I just think it's pretty cool to hear actual execs weigh in on and kind of you know give their thoughts and opinions about um how things went down at the deadline and how how the deadline affects them because ultimately they're the ones on the front lines yeah i mean the the execs will know better than than all of us so pretty much yeah if they say it's a bad trade deadline i guess it was a bad trade deadline yeah, just some just some really good insight there because we don't, you know, we hear the we hear the players, we hear from the players, obviously, we hear from the managers and coaches. Uh, we obviously, I mean, we hear from the fans, we hear from the the talking heads. Um, very extremely rare though that we hear from the execs. Yeah, absolutely. So, which is cool. Oh, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, anyways, all right, let's take our last break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll play buy or sell and get it to the mailbag. And I have a pretty damn cool one last thing for you guys, if I do say so myself. Looking for the coolest 3D printed toys and collectibles on the interwebs? Look no further than Printer Dudes. Check them out at printerdudes.etsy.com and use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, to save 10% off. That's printerdudes, D-O-O-D-S. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, into our third and final segment, and that means it's time for my favorite part of the show. Let's time to play some buy or sell. Um, Alright, let's just dive right into this. Ryan Mountcastle uh is just going on an absolute tear he's had something like four or five multi-hit games in a row um so carson buy or sell that ryan mountcastle uh is the hottest hitter in baseball right now absolutely buy it and uh couldn't happen to you know one of the most underrated names in major league baseball um ryan mountcastle is you know one of the one of the key parts of the the Orioles and has been on an absolute tear uh, as we as AJ kind of noted so uh, absolutely I will buy this 
Yeah, buying this too. And I'm sorry, but does it sound crazy to anyone else that Ryan Mountcastle is one of the most underrated players in baseball? Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, show that man some respect. Seriously. Uh, I mean, I know I know he plays for the Orioles who, you know, I know the Orioles aren't the Dodgers or the Yankees or hell, even the Red Sox, you know, or what are these, you know, like big name, marquee, whatever teams. But uh, Ryan Mountcastle is the real deal, and so are the Baltimore Orioles. And shout out to the city of Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore is an awesome Awesome place. Um, awesome place. Friendly people. And, oh, by the way, try the crab cakes. Um, the Angels. We were just kind of talking about them. Um, <laughs> I, let's just put it out there. Uh, <laughs> by herself, the Angels. The California, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim of California have a better chance of making the playoffs than signing Mr. Shohei Otani. <laughs> well, um, this is this diabolical. Is certain, this is certain to get controversial. Yep, um, here we go. This is, by the way, this is for all of you who, and I can't believe they're, we are still getting these. This is, this is from all of, this is for all of you who complain that Carson and I agree on everything. So here you go. Well, I'm going to start it off controversial because the thing is, I'm selling this. Um, <sighs> the Angels have currently lost six in a row and are seven games back of <sighs> third wild card spot, even with all the moves that they made at the trade deadline. And so honestly, I think both are minuscule, but right now it just it doesn't look like it looks like I would place more money on them signing Shohei Otani right now than I would on them making the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, Hey angels, how do all those crazy moves at the trade deadline work out for you? Yeah. Bet you're wishing, bet you're kicking yourself, wishing you'd gotten something for Shohei Otani. Uh, so that when he, at the end of the season, this winter, when he walks away and you get nothing, uh, and he walks away to go put it on a Red Sox uniform. Anyways, um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, this is a first, this is a first in the history of the eighth inning stretch, ladies and gentlemen, I'm selling both of these things. The angels are not going to make the playoffs and they are not going to sign Shohei Otani. I mean, I, I sell both of those too, but I suppose the, the question is, do you yes, think you have right. a better chance right. of them making I'm, the playoffs? Yes. Uh, no, they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of making the playoffs, and they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of signing Otani. <laughs> oh, Angels fans, I'm sorry, but, um, boy, well, you guys can commiserate with Mets fans this winter, I guess. Um, San Diego Padres sticking in the state of California. Uh, who also went absolutely ham at the trade deadline for whatever mysterious reason. We still don't know. Um, but now Joe Musgrove, who is a uh, a big piece of their pitching, uh, injured out for the next three weeks. Uh, so Carson, buy or sell that Joe Musgrove's injury 
is the nail in the coffin for the San Diego Padres. Uh, I'm going to sell this because that coffin has been pounded in about 50 million times with 50 million nails. Uh, So they were already dead and buried in your opinion. It was the epitome of the Simpsons meme where it's just stop, stop. He's already dead. Um, that, that has been essentially my, my metaphor for this year's San Diego Padres. Well, I think they're the meme for their trade deadline could be the cake with at least you tried. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm actually going to buy this because I feel like somehow inexplicably, I still felt like the Padres had a little bit of, uh, you know, had a little bit of life left in, left in them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know it's only three weeks, but must Joe Musgrove, his impact and his contributions to their pitching. Uh, he was such, he was such a big part of their run last year. Um, yeah, I just, sorry, Padres fans. Well, so Padres fans and Angels fans and Mets fans uh, can all have a, you know, support group this winter, I guess. I don't know. Um, and last but not least, in buy or sell. We were just talking about them, the hottest team in baseball. Uh, Carson, buy or sell, the Chicago Cubs will win the NL Central. I mean, even if I even if I buy this, it's not really saying much because nobody wants to win that division. Um, <laughs> but I I am going to buy this. I do think they have a legitimate shot. Uh, the Brewers have just decided to leave the door wide open um, mm. and just kind of let anyone and everyone just kind of come on in there and get get back into the title race. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy that the that the Cubs will win the NL Central. Yep, I'm buying this too. The Cubbies are going to win the NL Central. Admittedly, it's not exactly the greatest division in baseball, but um, luckily, Major League Baseball Carson still has the utterly ridiculous system of if you win your division, you get one of the top three seeds in the playoffs. Yeah, there you go. So, Ugh. Don't even get me started on that, ladies and gentlemen. Um no, seriously, the Cubs are undeniably the hottest team in baseball. They have just come seemingly out of nowhere. And, um, yeah, I would not be the least bit surprised uh, to see the Northsiders uh, win the NL Central. Ha! I did it! I finally did it! So, y'all writing in and be like, how come you can't remember the difference between the North Side and the South Side? Shut up! I just did. So there. Um, anyways, on that note, um, let's dive into the mailbag. Uh, we got we're back to a sort of regularly scheduled full size mailbag for you guys this time. Um, so let's start with Hannah from D.C., the District of Columbia. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I love these. How impressed were you with Jack Flaherty's Orioles debut? I'll go with an eight for me personally. I would have liked to see him have gone uh, a little bit deeper Uh, for everybody who, who didn't know Jack Flaherty made his Orioles debut, got the win, um, went six innings, uh, four hits, one earned run, two walks and eight strikeouts. Um, I was overall pretty impressed. I just 
would have maybe liked to have seen him maybe go a little bit deeper. But um, overall, yeah. pretty solid performance. Yeah, a bit, maybe another inning or so. Um, but that's a solid stat line. And considering the situation, because, I mean, we talked about this uh, last episode, I think, where we were talking about, you know, Flaherty is basically put up or shut up in Baltimore. Um, you know, if he can get back to being the Jack Flaherty, we know he can be. Um, the Orioles are going places. Um, no, I'll... Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm giving him a 10 um, because I think, obviously, he's been, you know, pitching in St. Louis all year where, well, we all know how things are going for the Cardinals. Not a lot of pressure there. Um, not a lot of pressure, not a lot of, and basically zero expectations. Orioles fans, on the other hand, high expectations, tons of pressure, um, pitching, making your first start making your first start for a team that is not only a playoff contender, but a contender for the division. And as far as I'm concerned, the Orioles are a legit shot at the, at the AL pennant and maybe more Um, to do, to go out in your first start and, you know, which six innings, how many, how many hits did he give up? Uh, Four, four hits, one earned run. Yeah. Any walks? Uh, two. How many strikeouts? Eight. I just I know a ten. I know it's high, but to me, I I don't think as a as Jack Flaherty at the Orioles and Orioles fans, I don't think you can ask for much more from the dude in his first start uh, in a pretty high pressure situation. No, yeah, and I mean it's certainly it certainly is fair to to say that he is very deserving of, you know, of a 10. Um, for for me, I just wish he would have maybe gone a little bit deeper. Yeah, maybe, what, like seven innings? Seven yeah. plus? Yeah. 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 Oh, if he had gone seven plus innings with that stat line, I would have given him an 11. Um, sadly, though, he only got a six from the Russian judge. Um, David from, hey, Colorado. Cool. Uh, Shohei Otani has 40 homers, 82 RBIs, all while being one of the best pitchers in baseball. <coughs> Unicorn. Uh, could he, oh, man, this is nuts. Could he end up winning MVP and the Cy Young? Uh, could he? Yes. Do I think he will? Not this year. Um, I think MVP, yes. Cy Young, I, I don't know if he'll win the Cy Young this year, but. Um, it's very, it's very much certainly possible. Yeah, I'm, I could be wrong here, but I'm fairly certain this has never happened in the history of baseball. Um, obviously because Shohei Osani is the first of his kind. As much as, as, as incredible as that would be, and as awesome as it would be for fans, as, as fans to witness something like that. Um, no, I, no, I don't think so. AL MVP. Mm, I think he's got a decent shot at MVP that it'll depend on. It'll depend on what ends up happening with the angels. I think, um, yeah, I would say he's got a, a decent to good shot at the MVP. Uh, but sadly, 
the American League Cy Young is going to go to, is going to go to a pitcher in the American League West. Uh, it is not going to be Shohei Otani. It's going to be my boy Native Holti. Yeah, he certainly has certainly has a fair fair case to be made for him to to win the Cy Young, and that's kind of the the hard part about the Cy Young, especially this year, is it feels like there are a lot of guys who certainly yep, have earned earned the right to be in the conversation. A lot of competition. Evaldi, Shane McClanahan. I mean, the the list just goes. The list is endless. So, um, yeah, as cool as it would be to see Otani do. Uh, win the MVP and the signing in the same year. Um, no, I don't think so. Not this year, but uh, I would not. I would, I don't know about you, Carson, but I would not rule that out for him to accomplish that uh, before all is said and done. No, yeah, absolutely not. Like I said, this year, I don't think so. Um, could yeah. he eventually do it? absolutely the the possibility is uh absolutely there yeah if anybody can do it it's uh it's shohei otani uh bill from illinois how well do you oh, this i love these um yeah i'm saying that i'm the one who picks the mailbag questions <laughs> what am i oh like oh yeah i love these um well you should you picked it genius uh bill from illinois how well do you guys remember the first baseball game you ever went to yeah bill i'm gonna be honest bud i don't remember it too well i think i was maybe like six years old in the metrodome um all i remember is that obviously joe mauer was on the team uh justin morneau was on the team and uh this guy named johan santana was pitching i, I think oh, he, yeah he I was pretty good i think he's pretty good <laughs> all those guys joe mauer johan yeah i think they were pretty good um wait so what year was that i want to say maybe 2007 oh good grief oh man i'm so old um yeah honestly my the first game i ever went to by the way that's a hell of a first game at the metrodome with those with those guys playing for the twins um i'm just glad you got to see a game at the metrodome before it uh, it's untimely demise. Um, yeah, my first game. The only thing I remember about my first game, well, a couple things. One, I remember that they were playing the Red Sox. Obviously, it was the Red Sox at Fenway. Duh. Um, I remember that they played the Texas Rangers. Um, that's about it. I remember they played the Rangers, and I think I only... And I'm not sure I even actually remember that, but I still have the ticket stub from that game. Yeah, that's how old I am, everybody, when ticket stubs were still a thing. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I remember. The first game that I actually remember going, and I was probably like five or six. Yeah, probably about the same age at that game. Um, the first game I actually remember going to was probably, I was probably like nine or ten uh, it was the 95 season. Um, that was the year the Red Sox played the, well, then the Cleveland Indians in the playoffs. That was the year the, uh, that was the ninth the year the Indians and the Braves, I think, played in the World Series. Um, and actually, to be honest, all I remember about that game is uh, 
Roger Clemens pitching for the for the Red Sox. Oh God, that was a long time ago. Um, do you? What's the first game you actually remember going to, Carson? The the first game that I vividly, you know, because there there are games that I've gone to where they're kind of like bits and pieces uh, that I remember. Mm. But the the first game that I vividly remember um, was my first ever playoff game at nice. Target Field, ALDS against the New York Yankees. Ugh. And we all know how that ended. Um, <laughs> the same way that every other Twins playoff game has ended over the past, like, 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Every year, man, every year, they, oh, the Yankees are playing the Twins. Come on, Twins, you can do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, if, if we're playing the Yankees, just... Just mostly, mostly because us Red Sox fans would look at that and be like, oh, God, we don't want to play the Yankees. Don't make us play the Yankees. Please don't let us play. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> we're playing the Yankees again, and they're going to beat us again. Um, until 2004, and that's when everything changed. Um, all right, last but not least, uh, Ellie, another Colorado. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Ellie from Colorado. Here's the t Oh, this is... See, I picked this one and I saved the best for last because this is this is awesome. Um, here's the toughest question anyone's ever asked you guys before. You know what? Pretty, she might be right, Carson. You're managing Game Seven of the World Series and you need three outs to win. Which pitcher are you putting in? <laughs> I I mean, you say this is hard. I say this is pretty easy. Enter Sandman. Give me Mariano Rivera all day long. Oh. Uh, Rivera, huh? I mean, well, unless you're... <laughs> Sorry, Yankees fans. Jab incoming. Unless we're talking about the 2001 World Series against the Diamondbacks. Oh, uh, crap. Oh, crap. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure Mo Rivera still has nightmares about Luis Gonzalez. Um, well, and I know for sure he has nightmares about the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rivera, obviously, probably the greatest closer to ever do it. But here's, here's my, because Ellie didn't say closing pitcher. She just said pitcher, right? Correct. Okay, so I looked at this and I went, okay, bottom of the ninth, I need three outs. Who's the one pitcher? Who's the who's my guy? Who am I going to in that situation? And I honestly, I thought of a lot of different, I thought of a lot of different pitchers. I actually did think of Rivera. I went through all the usual suspects of closers. I went through Rivera and Trevor Hoffman. and um, But honestly, man, this was tough. Um, I tried to think of the most lights out, unflappable pitcher, a dude who can come in and handle the big moments without breaking a sweat. He's got ice water in his veins and Carson, I settled on this probably won't surprise a lot of you. I settled on the big unit himself, Mr. Randy Johnson. Yeah, certainly a solid pick. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't want to go against Randy Johnson in any capacity, so let alone no. heaven of the World Series. 
Yeah. Hell no. I mean, over and over again, the dude proved in his career that he just had, he would get out there and he just had ice water in his veins. And uh, I mean, other than the occasional bird uh, that he <laughs> accidentally took out. Um, no, I, we've had a lot of questions since we started doing the mailbag, Carson. We've done a couple of mailbag specials. I think for now, at least, I think we've got to give this one the trophy for a toughest question. No, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, Ellie didn't necessarily say closing pitcher either. And I kind of just, I guess, framed it in my mind as closing pitcher. But if you open it up to everybody, it becomes a lot more difficult. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, well, I, I mean, I think you're I think you're right to go to naturally your brain goes to closers because when you hear game seven, you know, three outs, yeah, you think closer. Um, yeah, Randy Johnson, if I was pressed to go with the closing pitcher, man. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I mean, Trevor Hoffman, but Trevor Hoffman never really, unfortunately, never got to really pitch in any big you know, big games. Um, I don't even know. I mean, any closing pitcher, if, if, and I, I never, well, I vaguely remember getting to see him pitch. Um, but if you want to, if I'm going to talk about a closer who ice water in his veins that I would trust to get three outs in game seven, um, Dennis Eckersley. Ooh solid option yeah Eck was you want to talk about lights out um save for one freakish kirk gibson home run against the dodgers in the world series dennis eckersley was absolutely he was lights out i mean he was one of those closers that when you saw him come trotting in out of the pen you just yep game's over um he was, yeah. So, anyways, uh, great questions all. Um, of course, you guys can keep sending those to us uh, at ethaningchurch at gmail.com, right on Twitter at ethaningpod, and uh, directly through Spotify. All right, real quick, let's talk about some must-watch games. Uh, I've got some. We've got some pretty. We've got some pretty intriguing series. Uh, Coming up, we've got the Marlins and the Reds, a couple of playoff teams or playoff contenders uh, that are fighting for their spots. Um, Dodgers Padres, well, yeah, I don't think that one has the sparkle that uh, it might have had if the Padres were better. Um, but Carson, I'm going to the Golden State, to the Los Angeles, California Angels of Anaheim of Los Angeles as they host the smoking red hot San Francisco Giants in a rematch of the 2002 World Series, which of course was won by the Angels. Yeah, absolutely. Some some stellar series there. Um, I'm also uh, I'm excited to watch a couple of them that don't get underway tomorrow, uh, but will get underway a little bit later on in the week. Um, simply because of the names that are involved, because if you look at the records, this should be a this should be an easy series. But uh, the Rays and Cardinals, some big time star players there, uh, mm. or Orioles, Astros, 
um, will get underway on, uh, actually, that'll be more, I think, on Thursday. But, um, anywho, AJ, after, after meeting with the, uh, the Tankathon committee, (laughs) the, the committee has come to a consensus that for the first time in eighth inning stretch history during the season, we do not have a tankathon for this episode. Oh my God. All All right. Decent competition. All right. Wow. That is a first. That's pretty awesome. Um, Yeah, that's, that's pretty damn cool. Um, All right. Must watch games. No tankathon this time. Uh, Carson, what do you have for our lovely fans uh, as your one last thing? Yeah, so um, can, continuing with kind of the the pause of the uh, player positivity this episode, um, something pretty cool happened over the weekend for us Twins fans. Uh, Joe Maurer was officially inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame, um, and hopefully soon enough that Twins, Twins part of that will be removed and he'll be inducted into Cooperstown. Um, but you know, as, as somebody who, as a kid, uh, growing up kind of Joe, Joe Maurer was kind of the face of the franchise. Uh, it was a super cool moment for me. Um, and it was, it was awesome to kind of watch one of my baseball idols, uh, get recognized at for what he is. And that is one of the best catchers of not only the modern era, but I think of all time, go ahead and at me. If you think differently, I will defend that man to the hilt. Um, but it was it was kind of a, a little bit of a surreal moment uh, for me to to watch him receive honors that he very very well deserves, um, and to watch that number seven go up alongside some of the greatest to to ever don uh, don the Twins uniform. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say about Joe Maurer? Um, obviously, extremely well deserved to be inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame. Um, and I was actually just looking. He's going to be on his first Hall of Fame ballot for Cooperstown uh, next year. Um, well, this thing that I'm looking at is, oh, he's not a shoe in to make it on the first ballot. That's ridiculous. Joe Maurer is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and anyone who says different can at me. And me too, actually, because, again, I yeah. will defend that man until yeah. the day I die. First ballot, slam dunk, no brainer. I mean, okay, to be fair, the only two catchers to ever make it in on the first ballot are Johnny Bench, legend, and Pudge Rodriguez, also legend. Um, and no disrespect to either one of those guys, but I would stack them up. I would stack their resumes up against Joe Mara's any day. Um, so... I haven't really had a, you know, sort of actual one last thing for a little while. So I did, I did, I did some digging, uh, trying to find something cool to talk about. Um, I don't know how many of you remember a little while back, I talked about a, uh, a, uh, Ugandan baseball player that was, uh, going to be playing in MLB's prospect league, um, this year. Um, but I found a really cool, so, um, found this really cool article um, talking about baseball. So we always talk about baseball growing, and I think we always talk about it 
when we talk about baseball growing and growing globally, we always think in terms of major league baseball, obviously, um, you know, where's, where, where can major league baseball play, you know, play games and sort of expand its presence and grow baseball as a global game and therefore grow the, uh, you know, grow the world baseball classic and make it, you know, what we all know it should be. Um, but baseball has taken hold in a very unusual place, probably the last place any of us would expect. Uh, and that is the small Buddhist country of Bhutan, um, which is pretty much it's for those of you who are, you know, your geography is a little rusty. Bhutan is probably it's, it's easily one of the most remote countries in the world. It's in the Himalayas, uh, nestled between Tibet and India. Um, fewer than 700,000 people live there. Um, and yet Bhutan is on its way to becoming a baseball nation. Uh, and recently the number of people playing baseball in Bhutan has grown from a few, you know, a few dozen, uh, basically kids playing outside, playing in the street, you know, um, after school. Uh, but now there are more than 6,000 children uh who are playing baseball in Bhutan and that's not even the most incredible part the most incredible part to me is living in the, living in Bhutan and, and living in such a remote place these kids have never seen or maybe even heard of major league baseball uh or certainly have never seen a major league game um and it's just um it's 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 just going absolutely nut there nuts there and a lot of the credit uh belongs to a gentleman named matthew desantis no he's not related to that other desantis uh who is the co-founder and chairman of the bhutan baseball and softball association um and he's basically made it his personal mission to grow the game of baseball in bhutan um he essentially trekked through bhutan uh and decided to move there permanently and has been doing putting in uh countless hours trying to bring the game of baseball to bhutan um and they actually his efforts have culminated not only in the growth uh of baseball and softball in bhutan with all these kids playing but they actually just recently had the very first ever bbsa the bhutan baseball softball association uh baseball and softball summer tournament um just just really cool stuff i mean these are the kind of stories that you read and you go i mean because let's be honest uh bhutan's not a place that we think a lot about um and to see baseball and softball growing so rapidly in such a in such a you know remote place is just it's just plain freaking awesome and this is right up there with the story about the ugandan baseball player uh, as one of the best things I've read um, in in quite a long time. Yeah, that's a really cool story. Um, I mean, like yeah, you said, really we, talk, we talk about it all the time. Um, how, you know, how we want to see the game grow. And uh, clearly DeSantis is doing some great work over in Bhutan, and that's phenomenal. Um, yeah, that's that's so cool. I know. And it's so crazy when you think about it, because you're like, you know, they 
people living in Bhutan have never seen a major league baseball game. Most of them probably don't. I mean, I I don't. I mean, I don't mean to like assume anything, but most of them, I would think, have never even heard of major league baseball, or maybe not even know what baseball was until Matthew DeSantis turned up. Yeah, that's oh, I I love feel good stories like that. That's that's good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's uh, there's far too little of that in the world these days. Um, so when I come across stuff like that, I'm like, oh man, like I have to, I've got to share this. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much just about a wrap for us. Um, of course, you can contact us on Twitter at Eighth Inning Pod. Don't forget to follow us and turn on notifications. Uh, drop us a line at Eighth Inning Stretch at Gmail dot com. Um, of course, listen to us on your favorite platform. Again, you can leave the uh, your mailbag stuff right on the Spotify. You just click on the episode, um, and it's right there at the bottom of the episode page. Um, and as always, don't forget to check out our awesome sponsors over at Printer Dudes. Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, I keep trying to remind myself to mention this every time at the end of every episode. You can actually listen. You can listen to us on Spotify directly from Twitter. There's a link right at the top of our Twitter page. It says, listen now. You click on it, and it opens your Spotify app. So, um, yeah, don't forget to check out our awesome sponsors over at Printer Dudes. Uh, they're your one-stop shop for the coolest 3D-printed toys and collectibles on the interwebs. And as a thank you for being a fan of the show, you can use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, and save 10% off your order at printerdudes.se.com. That's printerdudes, D-O-O-D-S. And that, my friend, is a wrap on episode number 82, which means we are now 17, 17 and counting to 100. We have reached the Shohei Otani point to 100. <laughs> yes, there are Shohei Otani episodes remaining to 100. Nice. I actually didn't even think of that. Um, yeah, that's just absolutely wild. I can't believe we're so close. Um, so if my math is correct, which admittedly, anyone out there who knows me knows that I'm terrible at math. But if my math is correct, uh, it should put our 100th episode based on our recording schedule should put our 100th episode um, right around the first, second week of September. Yeah, that seems about right. So, but Which, we'll 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 do the calculations off air, so you guys don't have to listen to dead air as we try and calculate. What, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. When exactly the the hundredth episode is, but yeah, um, should yeah. Be, so roughly right around, right around yeah, then. Roughly right around then. Um, yeah, that sounds like far away, but it's really not when you consider it's already the second week of August. Um, boy, time flies. Uh, yeah anyways that's all we got for you guys um everyone have an awesome week and uh we'll of course talk to you guys again on friday